So, with all that in mind, I walked around um, and thought a lot about all the things that I saw. And um, thought a lot of things. And it made me keep coming back to this verse in Philippians. So if you'll turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verse uh, 4 through 9. Philippians chapter 4. Starting with verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So the title is Think on These Things. Think on These Things. We're reminded in this chapter, uh, which is the conclusion of the book of Philippians, the letter that the Lord inspired Paul to write to the Philippian church. In the beginning of the chapter, it tells us to stand firm. And we see this over and over again through Scripture, that we are simply to stand. And he is reminding them to stand firm in verse 1. Then in verse 4 that I read, he tells us to rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And again, he says, rejoice. I've preached on that before. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all in verse 5. Or King James, let your moderation be known to all men. People should know that we are different. They should know who we worship and who our king is by the way that we behave. In verse 6, he reminds us to not be anxious or worried about anything, but instead pray about everything. And he tells us in verse 7 that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will be with us. And so we are told to stand. We are told to always rejoice in the Lord. We are told that we should be a model to others. We are reminded to not be anxious but instead pray about everything and this peace that we can't even understand will come to us. You've read a time when that peace has come to you. If you've been saved, you've had it at least once. But I dare say that any of us who have any time under our belts after being saved have had times when there is no reason that we should be peaceful, yet the peace of God will settle on us and help us through a situation. But then he goes on and he gives us great advice in verse um, 8. Finally, or in summation, he begins here and he tells us what we should be thinking, what we should be pondering, what we should give more uh, weight to if you want, something that will uh, result in influencing the way that we live. 
And there's an implication here that I think is important for us to remember that we can control what we think. We're told to think on certain things and to not think about other things by implication. And that means that we have a choice, that we have a duty, that we must strive to think the things that we ought to think. We are not animals that have no control over what they do or what they think. If an animal sees food, it eats it. If an animal is scared, it runs. Animals have no control to think through these things, and we do. And We are not like animals. We are not animals. And we, therefore, should be thinking about things like this. We must give it proper weight, and that's what it means to think about these things. We must think about how we are influenced by what we do and what we think. Real quickly, Mark 7.15 is a familiar verse that says, There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. This is a fairly simple concept, basically going back to this idea and saying that we can take all manner of things inside, but it's what comes out of our heart that is evil and defiles us. It is very difficult to go through this world and not see and experience horrible, tragic, awful, wrong things that we see, that we hear, that we take in. But the issue is what comes out of our heart is really an indication of our character and who we are. But we cannot avoid the fact that what we think about, what we put inside of us, has an impact on what comes back out. I think I've said this here before, and I've said it a lot over my life, and I can't remember who I'm quoting here, but roughly speaking, I'll paraphrase this. Things that are vividly imagined, we can't distinguish from reality. If we spend our time thinking on things vividly and purposefully, sometimes we fail to differentiate what is truth and what is reality. And so we must be very careful about what we put inside of our hearts and our minds because eventually what may come back out is what we put in. And what we want to come back out are things that bring honor and glory to God. We want others to see us for who we are, which is Christ's followers. So we are to think about certain things. And I wanted to make sure we understand what I'm talking about when I say think on these things. And so it tells us, brethren, whatsoever things are true. I'm going to pause here for just a minute because this one is first for a very important reason because it is foundational to the rest of these. If we do not know what is true, how do we know what's honest? How do we know what's just? How do we know what's pure? How do we know what is lovely? How do we know what has virtue and should be praised? How do we know what is of good report if we do not know what is true? The foundation of all these things, the foundation of of thinking the right way is to know and think about things that are true. Because we could think about things that are wrong and there get the rest of this list incorrect. We cannot know what is just if we do not know what is true. We cannot know what is pure if we do not know what is true. So truth is foundational and comes first in this list and is of first most importance that we know it. So what is truth? Well, Christ said it very plainly. I am truth. It's John 14 and 6. I am truth. I am the truth, not a truth, 
Not I speak the truth. Christ said, I am the truth. And so if you want to know what is right and wrong, what is true in this world, then we look to the one who is the very definition of who and what he is. He is truth. And everything falls down underneath that, you see. This is the problem with the lost and dying world. They do not recognize who is truth and what truth is. And so they err or get off track with the rest of these. Truth. We must make sure that we think about what is true. That means we think about Christ. That means we think about the Scriptures. And from learning about those things, then we think about other things that are true. We must think about things that are honest or honorable. Someone who is honorable is someone who is thought well of or venerated because of their character. Because they've done something good and sincere and right. Honest in action is what we should be thinking about. Who and what is honest in their action? We should think about those things. As I mentioned this week, we saw many, many statutes and buildings built to men who, in my humble estimation, were honorable. Many of them, some of them not so much. But many of them honorable for what they did in their lifetime and how they served mankind. And many of them were, in fact, believers who understood what we're talking about today. They started with the right assumption, which is truth, which is Jesus Christ, and then moved from there and were honorable in what they did by living a life that brought honor to who? To Him, to God. We must think about things that are just or righteous or conform to the law, and we must be just toward other people. Justice falls down from truth. If we know what the truth is, then we know what justice is. We know what doing the right thing means. And we should be thinking about things, about people that do the right thing. Not about people who do wrong. Not about people who do evil. Not about people who are lost and don't know which direction they're going. But about the things that are um, just, righteous, conform to the law. And we should treat others in that way as well. We should also be thinking about things that are pure, things that are innocent, perhaps even sacred, if you will. We should fill our minds with the pure thoughts, the clean things, the virtuous things, things that are not contaminated by evil, that are free from defilement. We've talked recently, uh, both on, uh, in the evenings and then on Sunday mornings, talking about sin that gets in, and we must remove that and think about the pure things The good things. We must also think about things that are lovely, acceptable, pleasing, attractive. This word is only used this one time, I believe, in the entire scriptures. And it is referring to things that attract, that that please, and that win other people's admiration and affection. We've all heard the phrase, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? We've heard that before. And to a certain degree, that is in fact true. We might find something more attractive than someone else. But what this is talking about is the things that we generally agree upon that are lovely and beautiful. 
And there are no doubt those things. Beauty is not entirely subjective. I dare anyone to stand in some of the places I stood this week and look up at the frescoes and the buildings and the things that were done and not say, this is, this is lovely, this is beautiful, this is amazing. It may not be quite your taste, you may not model your house after it, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but I dare someone to stand there and say, that isn't beautiful. And so we should look for the things that are commonly accepted by our culture that are lovely and follow after them. You should look at a sunset or a sunrise and think of God and say, this is lovely, this is beautiful, this is pure, this is what God created. We should look at the things and the talents and the gifts that God gave individuals to make things, whether it's music or buildings or art or writing, and stand back and admire the lovely things that we all agree on are actually beautiful. We should take these in. We should drink deeply of these things. We should fill our mind with the lovely, the good, and the beautiful things that God has allowed us to see and experience and to taste and to hear and has allowed man to make and develop and produce. We should think about the things that are of good report, those things that are commendable, admirable, or well spoken of. We should think about the things that have virtue in them, excellence. When I was going to college, just out of high school, I went to a a small Baptist college, and the president had a phrase, and we all knew it. He said, everything you do in life should have quality stamped all over it. Excellence. Will we ever meet excellence? Not fully, but we should try. Everything you do as a believer, should be the best you can do, should be excellent in that way. It may never surpass someone else's excellency. That's okay. The point of this is that we are to be excellent in everything that we do, whether we create, whether we write, whether we direct, whether we coordinate, whatever it is that you do, do all for the glory of God. Excellency. And we should be thinking about excellent things. We should be thinking about those things that are excellent, that have valor and strength and merit. We should learn about anything that is excellent, that has virtue, and we should imitate it. And praiseworthy, something that's commendable. Romans 3, I'm sorry, Romans 2 and 39 says, But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, and in the spirit, and not of the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. We must be careful when we think about things that are praiseworthy, that we go, not go too far in praising the one who made it, created it, did it, but praising the Lord for giving those talents and abilities and gifts. This was not lost on many of our older generation who when they would write beautiful music would write to God be the glory who would write amazing things and write solo scriptura to scripture only giving praise and honor to the one who gave them the ability to do that rather than praising themselves you see this is important as well that we see things that are praiseworthy and praise the maker the originator the one who gave us the talents and the gifts and the abilities to do these things rather than the one who did it. So I've kind of broken these down by category. 
We're to think about things that are true and honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, of any virtue, and that has anything worthy of praise. But they're not necessarily designed to be that way. They're designed to tell us that holistically the things that we should be thinking about, the things that we should be putting into our minds, that we should be contemplating so that what comes out is honorable and good, the exact same characteristics that go in, then will come out of us. See, this is the desire wholly to think about these things. And when it says to think, it means to to dwell on them. In fact, some translations say to dwell or to meditate or to keep thinking. The idea is that there is a continuous, ongoing effort every moment of every day to put these things in our minds. Let me read verse 8, a different translation. It says, finally, believers, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is at of at, I'm sorry, whatever is admirable and of good report. If there is any excellency, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. And expounds on that and says, center your mind on them. And implant them in your heart. See, as I said, the things that defile us, that cause us problems, are the things that come out of us. And what comes out of us is a direct result of what goes into us. And all you have to do is think about the people that you hang around and you realize how much that wears off on you. All you have to do is think about what you are reading and how it reflects on how you write. And maybe that's only applicable to me who does both those things all day long. But if I go and I read law, I tend to write like a lawyer. If I go and read uh, fiction, I tend to write more like fiction. I can see the direct relationship between what I'm putting in and what is coming out of my mind. And so when we realize this, we must really strongly consider what it is that we are putting in, what it is that we are thinking on, because it will have an impact on what comes out. This applies to all areas of our life. So I'm getting ready to offend everybody. What kind of music do you listen to? What kind of movies do you watch? What kind of literature do you read? What kind of games do you play? What kind of internet searches do you partake in? What type of discussions do you listen to? What do you daydream about? Now the really hard ones. What do you do on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or Netflix? Or the one that hurts me a lot, what kind of podcast do I listen to? Video games, conversations do you have? What kind of art do you look at? What kind of plays do you attend? See, the reality is all day and every day we are bombarded with other people's ideas and thoughts and concepts. And the question that we all should be asking is, 
Am I taking in the things that are true, the things that are pure, the things that are praiseworthy, the things that are virtuous, the things that are good and beautiful? Or am I taking in all of the filth that the world has to offer? Because it has a lot of it to offer. Now understand carefully what I'm saying is you can never attend you know, another movie that's you know, PG-13 or above or anything like that. I'm not saying you can't ever read a book. I'm not saying you can't ever play a video game or listen to a song. What I'm saying is be careful that what it is that we continually dwell on is these things. Because brothers and sisters, we will all be exposed to all manner of things. And we will all hear in certain things. But if it is what we continually dwell on and allow to into our mind over and over and over again for a time, it will change who we are. And rather than being led and directed by the Spirit of God, we'll be led and directed by the negative things of this world. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Everything that we take in should be taken captive to obey Christ. And if we want to do that, then we must think about things that are honest and pure, just, lovely, of good report, of virtuous, worthy of praise. We must not make a habit of consuming things that are the opposite. Thinking on these things, on the good things that God told us to, will lead us away from sin and fear, and closer to God. Let me go back to what I said earlier. If you want to, in verse 1 of this chapter, to stand firmly, you should do what? Think on these things. If you want to rejoice in the Lord always, what will you do? You will think on these things. If you want to remove the anxiety in your life, what will you do? You will think on these things. If you want to... um, Know the peace that passes all understanding. You will think on these things. I'm just going to give you a small example, and maybe this doesn't apply to you. And if it doesn't, fantastic. I have twice in my life created a Twitter account. And I kid you not, both times it led me into like a depressive spiral. Because it was all just negative. And even if it wasn't negative and I thought I was being informed somehow by the news, it just brought me down. None of it was uplifting. None of it was inspiring. Not a single thing on there was honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, worthy of praise or true. And both times I had to just like step away. So I I can't handle this. And you know what? After a couple of days, there was a difference. The difference in what came out because I wasn't feeding those negative things into my life. Now, this is just a small example, but I'm asking you to really consider what is it that you're feeding into your mind? What is it that you're thinking about? What is it that you're doing? It's not wrong for me to get on Twitter every once in a while. But when it begins to impact who I am continuously, it's a problem. And all of us will have different points in which that happens to us. Some of us can handle things that others can't. I had a couple people who didn't know me very well on the trip ask me 
How did you handle everything you saw as a police officer? Well, there's a long and short answer to that, but the answer is I couldn't handle it fairly well. But not everyone can. And so some of us can handle things in certain ways more than others. Right? I, could, I could handle going to work and doing the things that I do, but I apparently can't handle reading about it online. Doesn't seem to make any sense. But I now know my weaknesses and I know my struggles and I know what I have to do instead, which is fill my life with these good things that I think on. We must think about these things. I read the children a verse out of Proverbs this morning. Let me go back there for just a minute. Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. Here we see wisdom speaking to us. And it says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eye, keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of the feet, and let all the ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left, or remove, and remove thy foot from evil. And here we see the very similar ideas, the same concept, put slightly different. We should pay attention to what? To the Word of God. We should keep Him at the center of our hearts, our life and healing, and the things that we bring in is what flows back out. We should put away the deceitful, evil things, and we should instead look straight ahead, going toward the truth, which is Jesus Christ, step by step. Not going left, not going right, not getting distracted by all the things that the world wants to distract us by, not looking left or looking right, but looking straight ahead unto the author and finisher of our faith. Laying aside the things that influence us. And finally, we're reminded in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How does God transform us? He transforms the way that we think. And how does that occur? Well, by doing the things we just talked about. By thinking on what is truth, what is honest, what is pure, what is just, what is lovely, what is good, what is virtuous, and what is praiseworthy. If you want to continue to be transformed, if you want to be more like Jesus Christ, if you want to truly be what it means to be a Christian, which means a little Christ, to be Christ-like, then we must think on these things. How often? All the time. Continuously. 
These are the things we must meditate on. These are the things we must talk about. These are the things that we must pour into whatever it is that we do, whether it's our job, whether it's our creation, whatever it is, these things should be in and among us, among our speech, among our thoughts, among our patterns, so that we do not become like the rest of the world, that we have a change in the way that we think. Notice this says, changing the way you think, then you will learn the will of God, the will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. How many of you want to know what God wants you to do? Nobody raised their hand. <laughs> How many of you really want to know what God wants you to do? All of us, right? We want to know what His will is. How many times, especially when we are young, do we ask this question, where does God want me to go to school? Where does God want me to work? Who does God want me to marry? What does God want me to do? Who should I be friends with? I mean, on and on and on. What we want is the will of God to tell us what we should do. And what does the Scripture say? If we want to know that, what should we do? Change the way we think. And how should we think? We should think about what is just and honest and pure and lovely and virtuous. Which means we should not think about things that are the opposite of this. So brothers and sisters, as we come together and we think about what the future might hold for us, as we think about what we should be doing in the future, as we think about who we should have relationships with and how we should live into those relationships and the things that we should or shouldn't do, if we want to follow after God and not be like the rest of the world, if we want to be transformed into something different and to be like Christ, then we must change the way we think by what? By thinking on these things. I don't know what your weakness is. I don't know what you think about. The reality is your best friend, your spouse doesn't know what you think about. But God does. You're hiding nothing from him. And if you're thinking about things you shouldn't, let him convict you of that and go to him and ask him to replace those thoughts with what's pure, with what's just, with what's truth, with what's honorable, with what's lovely, with what's virtuous. Think on these things. And the God that gives peace will give you peace and direction to know what you should and shouldn't do, which is ultimately... I think many of us so desperately desire and so desperately need. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your truth. Lord, we thank you for your scripture that teaches us truth. Lord, we're thankful for the spirit that lives within us that teaches us truth, that witnesses truth. Lord, I pray that this week as we go about our lives and our business, Lord, would you help us to think on these things. Lord, to think about what is true which is you. To think about what is just, which is also you. To think about what is pure, which is you. To think about what is of good report, to think about virtuous things. Lord, I pray that you would remove the distractions that are in our lives, the things that are causing us to think on things that are the opposite, and to focus our mind and attention on you this week. 
Lord, may you free us from the burdens that we have, the desires and the addictions that we have to do things that are not helpful for us and to focus on the things that are good for us. Lord, I pray that you would remove us from the bondage that we place ourselves in and help us to think thoughts toward you. Lord, help us to look around and see the beauty that you have made before us. Help us to look around and see the virtue that is in the world. Help us to look around and see those who are honorable and admirable and the things that we should think of. And when we think about those people and those things, Lord, may we stop to give the one who gave them those abilities praise, which is you. Lord, I thank you for your scriptures. I thank you for that you want to change the way that I think. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.